Welcome to Wellbeing Walks. I'm Kip Hollister of the Hollister Institute and I'm excited that you're here to listen to this podcast. Today I'm joined in taking a walk with Carmen Ortiz, who is partner at the Anderson and Krieger LLP and former attorney for the District of Massachusetts, the first woman and first Hispanic to hold that position. She has incredible deep skills in crisis management and leadership with integrity. Um, she worked, the, you know, the U.S. Attorney, she led an office of more than 200 attorneys and support staff, directing so many high-profile matters, including the prosecution of Whitey Bulger, the Boston Marathon bomber, and the owners and employees of the New England Compounding Center in connection with the deadly nationwide fungal meningitis outbreak. And today we're just we're we're going to let this conversation take its course. But I want to understand, you know, how Carmen leads, how she defines leadership, what her style is, learning how she lets go of control, and discussion really around self-care, as we as leaders really do need to tend to ourselves and our well-being and I'm really excited so let's take a walk. So Carmen here we are at Blue Hills <laughs> Reservation in Milton and I've never been here so thank you for having me come here to walk with you and you know Carmen I, I think about when you and I met it was at the top 100 women-led companies, we sat at the same table, remember? Yes. And we placed your daughter. <laughs> Gosh, I think years ago you had placed my daughter. Right. Remember she had been an intern when right. she was in, yes. in high school, I think. Yeah, because she was at Milton Academy one summer. There you through go. Through your alley okay. at Hollister Inc. Through my alley, okay. And there then I, go. I don't know if I met you back then, but I heard about you. Right. I had met Allie. But I remember, I remember sitting at the table with you and coming over and giving you this big hug. Yes. <laughs> and it was kind of this instant connection, and that was years ago. <laughs> and then we've crossed paths since, and I'm just delighted to talk to you because your story's so rich, and when we think about what it takes to lead in today's world, you have been leader, you know, having been the U.S. attorney, Oh my gosh, now a partner at uh, Anderson and Krieger, and it feels like you've reinvented yourself. So <laughs> I've had to. <laughs> yeah, but tell me, you know, for you, just what, what, what is being human mean to you in your own leadership? I think that um, as a leader, I really strive to lead by example. Mm. And I try to be thoughtful about the people mm -hmm. that I want to set that example for, mm -hmm. that I want to motivate and inspire to be the very best that they can be. Mm. Because especially in a work environment, or perhaps all environments, the better that they are, their best really helps me to be my best. And right. so I, I need to be able to motivate and inspire. And I think in order to do that, I need to listen. Mm. Listen to them. You know, I always used to say, I don't make decisions 
in a vacuum. Right. And so I think in leading, you want to surround yourself with that core group of people that you trust, that have your back, mm -hmm. and that aren't just going to tell you things you want to hear. Mm -hmm. And I think you know, those are some of the basic principles that I guide myself by mm. in terms of leading, and certainly in a professional manner. <laughs> Maybe I'm not so... So such a listening mode when I'm leading my family. <laughs> That's what my, at least my daughters tell me. <laughs> oh, our daughters, they're beautiful. Oh, yes, they are. So where, you know, if you go back in your life, what did, I mean, did you know what you wanted to be when you grew up at a young age? I did. You I, did? I wanted to be a lawyer oh. since I was in high school. Wow. I, I, actually, I think my, the, my first ambition was to be an actress. I liked the drama, but... <laughs> I, I felt that um, I didn't have the talent, I didn't have the Hollywood connections, and I certainly didn't have the money growing up the way I did, but I was smart, and I wasn't afraid to work really, really hard in school, and I did well. And so seeing the dramas on, the courtroom dramas mm. on TV, especially Perry Mason, you yeah. know, the law and order of our Perry, time, oh my gosh. I thought, okay, I think that would be a fun job. And then as I got older, I realized that that would be the kind of job that I could make a difference in and that would be interesting, would be challenging, could be very, very rewarding. Mm -hmm. And certainly as I learned more about the law and I went to law school and I learned about being a prosecutor in particular and the power mm -hmm. the, that the prosecutor has, the ability to, to advocate mm -hmm. on behalf of victims of crimes and to you know, and also make sure that the process is working, that the system is working properly, defendants' rights are being observed, uh, that all of that put together and being able to be in court all the time led me to be that kind of a litigator initially, you know, at a prosecutor's office where I have spent a bit of time. And how, how did you feel being a woman? Well, you, you know, when you work for a government agency, you're more inclined to see more women mm -hmm. than you would, for example, in, in private practice. Right. So as a woman, I, I, I felt there, there were other women, but I also felt that there was a difference. We had to work twice as hard. Uh, we had to overcome certain stereotypes. Mm -hmm. But it was more as a Latina that I felt a difference. Got it. There's so many work settings that I was in where, and still am, the only one, the only Latina lawyer. And sometimes for years, certainly at the U.S. Attorney's Office, when I started there in 1997. So that felt more, again, trying to work really hard, trying to overcome stereotypes trying to not allow myself to be limited by what others thought I could accomplish and to really strive to accomplish more than what was expected. And how did you overcome your own, that framework? What did you, what, you know, what lessons did you learn that guided you to become who you were? I think I've always worked really, really hard. Mm. I think I've always illustrated that I'm a genuine person, mm -hmm. that I'm guided by integrity, mm. striving to do what's right. 
and a real team player. I, you know, I'm, I'm happy to volunteer and pitch in. Somebody's sick, I'll step into court for you. Someone's on maternity leave, I'll handle your caseload. Um, I'm never afraid to raise my hand and say, hey, I'll help mm -hmm. and be a real team player. Mm. And what would you say was your greatest challenge, you know, just coming into leadership, a lesson you learned or a hardship you had? I think that people sometimes have certain expectations of you based on the fact that you are a woman mm -hmm. and based on the fact that you are Latina. Mm -hmm. And so overcoming those perceptions professionally have always been challenging mm. and a real test. But I have to say that my greatest challenge in life or hardship to overcome was personal mm. rather than professional. Professionally, I really have been so fortunate, Kip. Mm -hmm. I have had really great experiences mm -hmm. as a lawyer. I was a, a state and a federal prosecutor. I've done defense work and helped people that got themselves into trouble. Mm. I've, um, you know, been able to hold the hands of victims and mm. the hands of defendants and their families when, you know, life is full of challenge and despair. Right. And so you uh, going through, would you say you going through your own personal crisis? What was that like and how has that led you to be a more, or not a more, but how has that shifted your own style? In many ways, what I went through years ago mm -hmm. has shaped the person I am or guides the person that I am today and how I handle certain situations. I, you know, Kip, that my first husband, whom I met in law school, got sick when he was very young, only 34. Wow. years old, very successful, just really hitting his stride in his own private practice, in his own law firm. So he got diagnosed with cancer, pancreatic cancer, and we thought that, I thought he'd be gone in six or 12 months because that's typically what happens when you get that diagnosis, but we were very lucky. We were very lucky. He lasted for eight years. Eight years? Eight years. Wow. Eight years, but for eight years we battled horrific disease until it finally took him and by the time it took him I I was so emotionally drained mm. and exhausted and so incredibly sad mm. and depressed yeah but with family and friends and really great great work colleagues I was you know I went on to raise my girls and continue in my profession to go on and become the U.S. Attorney and having overcome, you don't overcome it and you don't forget it, but you mm -hmm. just learn how to deal with it mm -hmm. and be strong mm -hmm. has shaped me in many ways and how I, I look at certain situations. And sometimes people would ask me when I was U.S. Attorney, I'd get a, a bad headline or I'd get criticized for a decision that made some people unhappy mm -hmm. and you know, folks would ask me oh, you know are you upset are you this can you how can you handle this I thought this is nothing 
I lost a husband. Yeah. My girls lost their dad. Right. I have had, I've known real loss, real tragedy. Right. I said, and you know, so I have a bad headline today. Yeah. I'll have a great one tomorrow. And that's exactly what happens. It's part of the job. So it sounds like through your tragedy, you learned that definition of detachment. <laughs> I never thought about it that way, but perhaps, well, I mean, it's kind of like nothing else matters. Well, I mean, I we mean, all realize, and that's what we're dealing with now with the pandemic, the realizing once again how, how <laughs> short life is, right. how unpredictable right. and uncertain. We all go on like, oh, I'm going to do this in a few years, or I'm going to do this uh, tomorrow, or you keep putting things off, or mm -hmm. you don't take things as seriously mm -hmm. as you need to at the moment because there's no sense of urgency. You think you have all the time in the world. Mm -hmm. And then you realize when you go through personal tragedies or you're close to them, when someone close to you goes through it, you realize, no, I don't have all the time in the world. Right. And you shift. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And your relationships shift, right? Yes. You learn to appreciate friends who mm. are really close and dear mm -hmm. and to let go of those that really don't don't add to your life don't really bring you happiness you know that's like I don't have much patience for silly pettiness mm. um, I really value though the friends that I have I've been a very lucky woman in that department too friends right. my sisters who are close to me. I think all of that, it's like a foundation. It, it, all those folks help me They're to be bedrock. strong. Yeah, the bedrock. Right, right. And, you know, it's interesting because, like, you're a real driver, right? You're a, you're a type A, you're a, you, you know, and, and your definition of success and how you form your own identity, it, it has that shifted for you? Because you've had to recalibrate a lot. Yeah, when I recalibrate, I sort of feel like I get back to myself. When I recalibrate, you know, I, even though I'm a very strong and confident person, Mm. There, I, t I go through moments, and you've seen these moments, Kip, yeah. in the years we've not known each other, yeah. where I feel very vulnerable, mm -hmm. and I don't feel in control. Mm. And I feel like I'm in despair because right. things are so uncertain. I like things to be certain, despite what I've been through. Yeah. And so when I go through those moments, I feel a sense of loss, you know, like I'm lost. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen next? Mm -hmm. And that really... It rocks your world. Yeah, it does. It does. And it's really a downer. Yeah. yeah. And it, but when I feel, when I go through that and I pass through that to feeling now, okay, I'm back. I feel confident again. I feel I'm on top of things and I'm taking care of, you know, I like to take care. I'm a fixer. You I think are. I, I figured that out when I took one of your, like, the effective communications workshop. Yes, Remember? yes. I didn't know I was a fixer. Right. But now I think about it, and it's true. I'm a fixer. Yeah. But, you know, fixer, there's such a place for fixers. But when, it, when we define ourselves with fixing and we're out of control, 
right? And there's so much uncertainty like leading right now. We have to draw on our inner wisdom, right? I mean, this is the whole purpose of what it takes during this time to connect more emotionally than out of efforting, right? I know sometimes you get so tired. Yes. You get exhausted with all how hard you're trying to get things right, how all this effort, it's just just exhausting Mm -hmm. after a while. And um, I think, you know, I I like it when I kind of am able to let go. Yeah, and when you're able to let go, what does it look like? Like when, because, you know, you're, you're aware, you're aware of all of this, right? I mean, it, it's, uh, so what's the process you go through to, and you might not know the answer. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I know yeah. that when I'm feeling in great despair or like I don't have my act together, mm-hmm. I then, it's like I have a second voice that talks yeah. to me. Right? Everybody's got that inner voice and says, but Carmen, look at what you have been able to accomplish or do and look at, look at how fortunate you are. Mm-hmm. I have a really good life. I've got a good husband, good kids. Even, and even now, during this, especially during this phase, when I look and when I see what's going on in this country, right. I can't tell you recently how many times I've sat in front of the TV and cried yes. at the pain and suffering that other people are going through because of poverty because of racial inequality right well and yeah you know and and loss obviously loss mm -hmm. death Mm -hmm. you know i mean this illness recently i mean it's wiped out you know a whole group of people in one family i know and when i see that i realize oh my god right i need to be grateful for that and right and what 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 it what when you you know if you were to talk to your younger self (laughs) because our younger selves right I mean it's like our like right now I feel like we're on the other side you know you have to understand your shadow side so the voice in your head is your shadow side you know you're worthy you know you're confident but like to all of these younger people listening right now like what What's what would you say? Um, you'd say to your younger self. Is yeah. there anything you would do differently? Is there? That's now. That's the good question. Yeah. I know what I would say to myself because I've I've said it before when I've done like commencement speeches. Yeah. When I you know years ago when I was yeah. sitting where you are, yeah. what would I have? wanted to hear what would I have wanted to tell my younger self the reality is I'm not sure I would have listened to it but what I definitely would have told myself because I have been in such darkness and so lost that I didn't know what was going to happen next I would tell myself what is the reality has become the reality which is it's going to be okay at the end of this road it's going to be okay if you let people encircle you, embrace you, mm-hmm. if you let them help you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you realize that there's, there's another day. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this pit that you're in right now, yes. you're going to be able to climb out of it. Right. Well, you're a living not example. Not by yourself, yeah. You're a living example. But not example. by myself. I needed my sisters. Right. I needed my girlfriends. Right, yeah. You can't be I alone. I needed my work friends. Mm-hmm. I needed 
I also needed to realize when Michael died, I realized I can't be woe is me. I got two girls to raise. Mm. I got two girls to raise. Yeah, and to model for them, right? Yeah. To model for them what it means to have courage and resilience, right? I mean, you know, I, I, I feel it right now too, having lost Chase. and. It's like we oh, have a choice. We just have a you choice. You suffered in a way that yeah, well, no one can understand. Well. And still do. Yeah, you suffering never, is suffering. It's a loss. Yeah. But, you, you know, and I think that you hit on something so powerful that we don't talk enough about is that voice in the head and that vulnerability piece because... I'm sure, Carmen, people look at you and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, this woman, you know. She's you so know, tough. in the Whitey Bulger yeah. and the Boston <laughs> Marathon and she's so tough, yeah. And there's that other side of you, right, that is just um, that human side of all of us that doesn't always get projected and accepted. And I think right now, that's why I'm doing these walks, because I think it's more about being human right now. Yeah, because a lot, a lot of people are feeling very discombobulated, like lost, unsure, uncertain. And disconnected. Yes. You know? I mean, oh, I yeah, especially so, in our homes. So many are disconnected. So... So your younger self, would you, would you say your, how you've defined success? Would you change how you've defined, how you define success? Yeah, I would. I thought when I was young, yeah. I thought success would be, you know, I, I graduate from law school. Yeah. I get a good job, one that I'm passionate about. I fall in love, get married, right. have kids, have a nice house, and that'll happen for me. Mm -hmm. So I, I was successful. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, feeling, well, quite frankly, feeling like I was on top of the mountain, well on my way, I've achieved to my goals and my dreams, only to be knocked, mm -hmm. knocked off that mountain, mm -hmm. knocked like nothing. Mm -hmm. And figuring out or thinking, mm -hmm that you're never gonna get out of this and you're never gonna really be anywhere near the top of that mountain again. Mm -hmm. Not even, and thinking that you don't even wanna be on top of that mountain. Right. You don't wanna be on top of that mountain because you're feeling so, so sad and lonely. And, and then just time, time happens. And you know, I, when I've given remarks on this, mm -hmm and leadership, I say, you know, success has many different meanings and success changes over time. Yes, it does. Because I ask myself now, what yeah. do I want the next yeah. five or 10 years yeah. or 20? Like, I, you know, I'm young still, but so what, what do, do I want, want the rest of my life to look like? What do you want? Some days I wake up and I feel that I'm living exactly what I want. Mm -hmm. I'm in private practice. I work mm -hmm. with great people. Mm -hmm. I have clients I care about, mm -hmm. that I feel that I bring value mm -hmm. and help them. My girls are grown-ups. Yeah. 
and some days they're doing great and other days they call me yes. <laughs> with their problem and um, so some days I feel like this is exactly what I'm enjoying but then other days I feel like I'd like things to be to move a little bit more slower for me or just to be less stressful mm -hmm. um, I feel like I'm figuring it out after this then what yeah. Although I haven't been doing this, you know, I've been in government for so many years. Yeah, just I just, yeah, I'm starting this book, you're, you're, you're. this chapter. I'm on the second chapter of my, of this new book. Yes, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so interesting, uh -huh. right? But, but I think the thing is, is that, you know, we, it's, it is a journey and we never arrive. So it's leaning into being um, with the uncertainty and like literally embracing it, right? You know, that's a great, Kip, I never thought about it that way. That This is a long journey where you never really arrive. By the time you arrive, that's it. You're, yeah. you're in that other world because we keep changing and things change for us. We change right. inside and right. um, how things impact upon us. And then, um, and then things change around us, mm -hmm. you know. I, you know, I called, my mom was very sick last week and we had to have some very serious discussions with the doctors. And there was one night I couldn't sleep. The, the reality of really losing her, she's 84, mm. of losing my mom was very real at that point. And I always thought, well, I know, of course, you know, my parents are elderly, they're going to die. Hey, they've had a good life. They're in their 80s. Mm -hmm. you know, Michael died when he was 42. And mm. so, but I woke up and my husband said, hey, are you okay? He was going off to golf. And I said, yeah, I'm okay. But I started to cry. Mm -hmm. He goes, what is it? And then I started to sob. Mm. I started to sob like I hadn't sobbed mm. in years. And I remembered that feeling of intense loss. Mm -hmm. You yeah. Yeah. You well, can. And then I, I remember talking about mm -hmm. this too. It really scared it scared Tom, my husband. It scared him. In fact he canceled golf. He stayed at home. Oh what a guy. Because I just said, Hey. I said, Hun, I just need a good cry. He goes, What is it? What's wrong? What? Yeah, yeah. I said, I just need a good cry. Oh. I just need a good cry. But I was telling my daughter, telling her about this the, uh, the next day, and I was crying to her and I said, you know, I just realized how much, no matter how old you get, you feel like you always need your mother. It's so Because my mom inspired me. My yeah. mom supported me with a very strict dad. And um, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have achieved yeah. my educational um, successes and so many others. So the strength of your mom is in the fabric of who you are. Yes, and you yeah. know what she said to me? Uh, and I am this kind of person. I didn't realize where I got it from. You know, I'm the kind of person that as long as everybody around me is happy, <laughs> then I'm happy. It, and when she was in the hospital thinking, hey, I may not be here long. I've always known that, but now it seemed more real. Mm. She said, you know, I, I want you to know how much I love you, you mm. children, just five, just five of us. I love you all and I love your father. And it was always important for me to make sure everything was okay with all of you and everyone else. And then I could think about me. Oh my gosh, look at the pattern. 
And I said, Mom, oh. I said, you know, I, I get it from you because yeah. that's how I am. Right. You know, I always never put myself first. Right. Except and, for once, I think. But what if you, what, what a great awareness. And now you're writing a new chapter. And what would it look like if a part of the chapter was putting yourself? And you need to. And I think, I think that with my years at the U.S. Attorney's Office, I realized that because it was such a consuming job. Mm. And my daughter, Allie, was a senior in high school. And she wanted me to be home to make dinner. And she could have made dinner. And I told her to make the spaghetti and meatballs. Mm. I came home and she was really upset with me. And she said, you know, Mom, it's all about you. Oh. You know, because now you're, you know, in this powerful position. It's all about you. And I looked at her, and you know what I said, Kip? And I never said this to you. I said, you know what? It's about time. It's about me. Whoa. My whole life. You know, I'm the oldest. I was the oldest of, I am the oldest of five kids. Yes. We grew up in a housing project. I had to help my parents. I helped my mother with my siblings. I helped my dad in the store. I got older. You know, I get married. I, I take care of your father who's sick. I take care of you kids. You yes. know what? You're old enough to cook those spaghetti meatballs. It is about me. For Good once for in my life, it's about me, Allie. And how'd it feel? It felt great. <laughs> I said I'm sorry to her well, later or the next day about it. I didn't mean to get so excited. But I said, right. you know, Allie, I said, once in a while, I, it has to be about me. Well, but this is the whole thing. And Ooh. I think as you get older now, I think... I do think a little bit more it has to be. It does. We right? have to, To yes. be healthy and... It's so funny. This term, selfless, is the stupidest term I've ever heard because mm. we we got to go into the self to be able to give and be about greater purpose. So you have to be selfish. <laughs> oh, that's... Well, that's why on planes, right, they tell you to yes. put your oxygen mask first. On, your, on you first. And then, you know, the so, person sitting next to you. So, so... If it is about you, and I hope you listeners are hearing this, because my gosh, we do not take great care of ourselves. No. We don't. I think it maybe is it a woman thing, Kip? It's definitely a woman thing. I think more, I hate to say this, but probably more than a man thing. But because we're caregivers by nature. Yes, And fixers that's true. by nature. And <laughs> that's true. And you've just identified this, but you know, our identity is not what we do. It's who we be. <laughs> and in order for us to cross over and I think model leadership for our kids and the next generation of leaders, it's going to come with us reflecting inward and modeling it like you said in the mm -hmm. beginning. You yeah. said you model leadership, right? You model, I try. You, well, you do. You model yeah. building all these leaders up. And there's this other part of leadership, which is yeah. the power of self-care, which, you know, maybe we're discovering right now on this walk. <laughs> no, I, I, well, you know, now that you mentioned about leading, I, I see it as my own obligation and a duty right now, yes. given all my experiences and, and my achievements, to help. Mm -hmm. younger women. I mm -hmm. mentor quite a number of women mm. because, uh, and, and I'm involved in a number of nonprofit children organizations mm -hmm. like Crossroads and mm. Discovering Justice because these are our future leaders. They are. And I think it's important for them to see it doesn't, 
happen always, you know, the trajectory is not always in one direction. It isn't. It's um, zigzag. It does zigzag. And, and that's what I want them flows. to know. Even though it zigzags, even though all of a sudden you have an incredible, you know, mountain to climb, you, you can climb it. Right. It's just getting harder and harder. But what if we re what if we reimagined like if all of us tapped more into less efforting and more heart energy of learning and developing together in creativity, maybe it doesn't have to be as hard as we made it. True. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. I mean the younger generations they are the they're they're they are about taking care of themselves. No, you're right. <laughs> you're right about that. <laughs> and, and we, you know, we kind of can judge it or, but I think they're the ones that are tapped into the energy of higher consciousness. I really do. Yeah. Because, you know, the, that, that energy of consciousness is creative and innovative energy that we all have access to. But when we're efforting and we're in the, you know, in the measurement and fighting for, you know, fighting the big fight or for the promotion, it zaps our ability to feel worthy, whether I get it or not. Well, I mean, they do say that about youth, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes in an unflattering way, mm -hmm. you know, they're self-centered or it's all about them. But in many ways that can be much more helpful to them and who they are. Right, right. So would your daughters today say you take care of yourself? I think they think that I, I do take care of myself a little bit more. But they, they also see, because they, you know, I, I help quite a number of people and a couple of siblings and sometimes it drives them nuts. And they're like, Mom, you don't have to save the world. Mm. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. And worry about yourself. Mm -hmm. I, I've had that come out of their lips. Yeah. But it's I'll have to DNA. ask them. It is in my DNA. It is in my DNA. But it's so funny. Sometimes you see yourself or you think they see you a certain way. And, and then they'll see something in you that you have had no clue about. But once you hear it out of their mouths, you're like, wow, I never thought of it that way. But now I see. Right. I see what you're saying to me. Right. And I think, you know what I think is so cool is to be able to have those conversations with our kids and to not get defensive. I love that. Because when we think about we're all patterns, right? I mean, yeah. every, you know, you're a pattern of your mother, your mother's mother. You're breaking chains through generational, right? Through mm -hmm. the generations. Trying to. <laughs> well, yeah. But yeah. I think that the more we talk about it, Mm. the more it becomes acceptable and it's all part of just being human, not blaming or shaming, right? No, yeah, no, it, no. There's just this space of um, awareness that comes. And I think, I think this pandemic is having all of us press the pause button back to your point of we can't control what we can't control. I know, but now on top of the pandemic, we have this whole situation with, you know, structural racism. Totally. And I think people, everyone is looking in the mirror. Yes. And trying to reach deep down inside. Maybe not everyone for sure, but a lot of folks are Which reaching inside. I, a, yes. But, but, but I don't, but I think that it is systemic 
so we're all a part of it and responsible. And what are the what are the two things you would say is really critical to look at as a human right now, regardless of who you are? To dig deep inside. What, to dig deep inside. Yeah, what are the questions? Or what are the actions? I think for me, when I've thought about this current situation, I feel that like racism in our country and how a few years ago I thought, well, we've made major strides. Yes, we haven't accomplished all, but we've made major strides. And there have been some strides, but what I'm realizing now, they haven't been as major as I thought that they were. Mm -mm. And I feel a need to make a difference going forward. Mm -hmm. So how can I be of value? Mm -hmm. How can I really make a difference? Mm -hmm. And I want it to be more than just writing a check to an organization. Totally. It has to be more than that. And you know, I've been talking to my colleagues about different things that we can do to become more educated and educate. I think that's it. Educated and educate, right? I think so. And being in the discomfort of it. And being active, too. Mm -hmm. I was on a Zoom call the other night mm -hmm. uh, with the DNC chair, Tom Perez, and my former boss, Eric Holder. And they were talking about voter suppression and the need, you know, if we can volunteer, volunteer. Obviously, we can donate to the cause, donate to the cause, but just making a difference in different ways and what works for you. And everybody has a different way. Mm -hmm. And not be judgmental about some other person's way. Right, right. I do find there's a lot of judgment. Now. Oh, you're right, Kip, there is. And anger, and mm -hmm. that energy has got to be transmuted. It doesn't solve, you know, it doesn't solve, a, it, it's not, it doesn't solve the problem. No. Sometimes when I hear other people being very judgmental, I say, listen, instead of judgmental, think about how can you change things or make things better if you're, if you think so-and-so isn't doing this or so-and-so isn't doing that, well, what can you do to make a difference? that's positive and in line of what you think should be happening. Mm -hmm. and, and I also would say, not out of I should or I need to, but out of the soul of the heart, right? Yeah, because you feel devastated when you see what's going on. Right. And you feel like you, I certainly feel like I want to be a part of the solution mm -hmm. rather than just sitting on the sidelines going, well, I got to go do my laundry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people that still do that. Right. Watch Netflix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the next episode. Yeah. What's the next? Yeah. yeah. Well, if they, hopefully, you know, it'd be good if they were watching Netflix uh, on a program that would educate them. There you go. Right? There you go. Right. And you think about it. What, what, what would you say right now is your greatest fear? I fear dying. You do? Wow. I fear dying. Wow. I'm not because I want to live longer oh. to experience more things. I've, if I die tomorrow, mm. I will look back and go, wow, I, had a, I did have a great life. Despite tragedy, despite loss, I had a great job. I had a great life. Mm. But I feel I need to be here for my girls. Yeah. I need to be here for my babies. 
-hmm. I mean, they're grown women. Right. They've made their lives. They're well on their way to achieving their own goals. But I feel on so many different occasions, they still desperately need me mm -hmm. because of their own right. tragedy and loss. And so right. I, I do, when you say, what do you fear? Because occasionally I've had to think about it. Mm. And I, I say, God, I, I'm just not ready. I want, I want to be here. Mm. Yeah, I bet that. For I my bet. girls. Right. I think that's so many people's fears. And, and I think, like you, it's, it's not about you. It's about your loved ones, right? And especially having experienced loss, it's like you don't want that to happen again. No. Right? Not at this point, especially right. in their lives. Right, right. You know, as they're trying to forge their own way. Right. With love, mm. with careers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Marriage marriage yeah. their own their yeah. own mental health you know in, in the world that we live in so right right so i do fear that in some ways but i it's not like a fear you asked me so i answer yes. it's not like i wake up every day right. fearing death Fe right it's right. not keeping me up at night but right. when i when i pause to think i do i mm -hmm. do fear death i do feel getting sick and you know not being able to be there mm. for them mm -hmm. and what about what about joy like what you know, when you think about um, these times right now, what brings you the greatest joy? I think what brings me the greatest joy is when I'm spending time with my family. Yeah. I really do. With my grandchildren, with my daughters, you know, planning a vacation together. It, it distracts me from all the other stressors. My husband, I have a very supportive husband. So I, that brings me joy when we're making plans and then when we're experiencing things we've put together is, is great. Yeah. Just knowing that there's a lot of love there. Right. I, I, that, that brings me joy. And you know what also brings me joy is when I, I am successful at helping someone else mm -hmm. that really needs my help. Mm -hmm. That brings me. I had a client that I really needed to help and and I've helped that person. But one of the most thoughtful, genuine, generous, sweet people I've ever met and just had a very challenging situation. And I have felt great relief and joy of being able to help them. Well, you're, 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 I mean, I can't imagine being in your role because it is, it's the highest stress right helping people with serious problems with serious problems mm -hmm. so you're like their guiding light you know when you're a lawyer you're also a therapist yes in many ways i've had to hold a number of hands of clients that really needed not just the legal analysis of their situation and the next steps but also needed someone to hold them and listen mm. to them and mm -hmm. give them some sense of hope mm -hmm. when they're feeling hopeless. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And scared. Right, right. All those things. So I did, I, I, I often come home and say to my husband, you know, if I hadn't been a lawyer, I think I would have been a therapist. I say that That's all the I time. That's what I say, right? You say, well, you are. Aren't you like a therapist, Kip? <laughs> you are like a therapist, I think. 
<laughs> you might call yourself a coach or this or that, but sometimes uh, I think you're more like a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, as we kind of come to an like an end of this, this what what would you say? Like, would be key takeaways for you? A message that is just about leading greatly during these times that you just would want everybody to look at, commit to, you know, and even it's something that you're in the midst of, you know, the journey yourself, because we never arrive, as we said. You know how I think, it, again, you lead by example, yes, and you tell people, we're all in this together, and you need to be engaged. You need to become active. You cannot just sit on the sidelines. Beautiful. And I'm not saying that you have to be the key person in charge, mm -hmm. but darn it, you can lead the way mm -hmm. with others mm -hmm. to make not only this country a better place, mm. but because we live in this country, right. if we're making it a better place, that's better for us right. individually, even if you don't feel you're really touched by the poverty of others, right. by the racial inequality of others, by the health crisis of others. Right. But it, we are all affected because it is one consciousness, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it's the unity of community, right? I mean, I, I think that... Well, looking at it in that perspective... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, you know... But people isolate themselves. I know. Right? And they yes. think, oh, this is not my problem. Right, right. Or I'm okay. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. But see, I'm saying I'm not okay. Even though I could be okay, I'm you not okay. It. Yeah, you're, you're troubled. When I am troubled. You're troubled. And yes. I'm also impacted. I'm touched. Yes. When I'm sitting there watching the news and yes. being emotionally drawn by right. other people's tragedies... Right. It's... But I do think that we need to, and helping our younger people. I know. I love my involvement with the youth organizations and being a mentor yes. to young women in particular. Yes. yes. And, and so because you've identified that self-care is so important, is that something that you're going to stress to the younger ones? Absolutely. Right? It's and I'll, of, I have to get better at that. Well, but I think us even acknowledging that this is an area that is... Uh, one that I see as a lesson learned that I can get better at, right? Mm-hmm. Because they look at us. They look at, they, 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 I, I think that that mentorship is so critical, but it's also, how are we modeling that, you know? Yes. So interesting. Because I sometimes, <laughs> my daughters have said this, Mom, you need to take your own advice. Because <laughs> they'll hear me telling somebody. Of course. You, know, you need to focus on yourself. You need to do this for yourself. And then I'll come home and do something that's not in line with that. And they're like, Mom, even my husband will say that. Why don't you take your own advice? I love it. You'll be less stressed if you took your own advice. I, I say, it. you're right. You're I right. love it. So what's one thing you're going to do this summer to take your own advice on the self-care front? On the self-care front, I feel that... Um, and it's going to start next week when I'm, I'm, I'm going to take July 1st through the 10th off mm. to mentally decompress. I want to, I want to walk more. Mm. I want to get back on my Peloton oh. more consistently. I want to get back to eating healthier, which I was doing mm. before this pandemic. And now I'm eating a lot of 
you know, comfort food. Of which, course, we're no, feeding. Which is showing on these tight shorts. No, we're feeding the turmoil of our hearts, yeah. right? That's what we're doing. Yeah. But I think, um, oh. you know, and trying, maybe watch less news. That's what I need to do oh, too, right? I think that's a great idea because- I really need to. You know, news just sends cortisol, the stress hormone, through our bodies. and. You can't take action. You're sitting on the couch. So maybe it's putting an hour into, like you say, educating or educate instead of watching all of that tragedy. I mean, we're, 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 it, it's coming into our veins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I so I, I think, and, and I, you know, the other thing I think is that especially tending self-care before you go to bed, what you're focused on and when you wake up what you're focused on so you know a gratitude practice and really what we feed yes. into our minds right because mindset is everything and that our is energy true. is fueled by our mindset what and, what do you do kip i know you're the interviewer but well, you know i am very you have a lot going on i do running I, a business i know but i'm very committed to you know well number one is healing right mm -hmm. like you and it's a lifelong process and so i spend a lot of time in self-introspection um, mm. meditation writing in a journal you know exercise not not kill myself exercise no. i mean <laughs> my heart rate might not but but just being you know in nature and 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 not and and watching my mind i mean it's my mind you know just like you the inner critic is just a disastrous state and i so i spend a lot of time refocusing my mental my mental state for the day the moment and and to be honest it's it's focusing on the heart I, I i think leading today is leading with the heart i think we need more of this emotional connection in the business world yes and we're we're forced into this space but it's it's real mm -hmm. <laughs> and critical for us as leaders to have that connection you know i'm a very personal person Yes. And I think that that really has inured to my benefit in establishing, you know, the business relationships, my client relationships. Right. And I think that, you know, obviously you need to deliver mm -hmm. on the legal aspect of it, your advice, the work, the quality of your work. But I also think people want to be able to connect. Right. And I... I think my ability to do that mm -hmm. with folks, it's one of the things that makes my job fun, actually. Mm -hmm. you know, even though I'm dealing with serious problems and serious situations, mm. connecting with clients, getting to know them as people. Mm. Human beings. Yes. Right? I mean, you're, you know, that's the thing. I think that's what's made you so successful your whole career is that you put people first and relationship first. Yes, that's See, that, true. Yeah, that. Yeah. But yeah. that, that's the thing that sometimes falls to the wayside when people are chasing to become smarter, get more knowledgeable, 
and climb the corporate ladder. They forget mm. about the number one thing is relationship first. Then they're miserable. And then they're miserable, right, you know? Um, is there any, is there any uh, song, music to, that you listen to through this pandemic that brings you joy? Or aren't you a music you know, I, person? You know, I'm, I'm really not, I enjoy music. I've gone to a ton of concerts because my husband is a music fanatic. Mm. Um, but I can't say, and, and I should, Kip, listen to more music mm -hmm. because I get in the car and I listen to the news channel. Mm. I get home and instead of putting on the radio or putting in a, a CD or mm -hmm. music that mm -hmm. I've downloaded, um, you know, I'll put on the news. So mm. I, I am covered by a lot of that. I mean, I do, I like a lot of the old stuff. You know, I like Barbara Streisand, Carly mm. Simon, those songs that, you know, always talk, that are songs about relationships. Yeah, and, they uplift you. And yeah, yeah, they're good. Although Carly Simon can be a little downer. She always had all those issues. She can be depressing. Yeah, <laughs> but Barbara Streisand and, you know, Broadway tunes. I love going to New York and seeing shows. Oh, fun. That I do. Um, well, so, so maybe there's a lot of stuff that I like to that I do for fun, mm -hmm. you know, like going out. I have we before the pandemic. I mean, Tom and every weekend we would go out with mm. a set of friends, different friends, um, host people at the house, and you know that's kind of quieted down. But that's one thing that I I love to do. One thing I've done a lot though that is great and very relaxing is cooking. Oh. I have enjoyed getting back to that and having the time to cook. I actually signed up for Blue Apron. Oh, And um, I've enjoyed doing that. The neat. recipes are pretty good. Uh -huh. I mean, there's a lot of steps to a number of them. And so sometimes my husband says, Tom says, too many steps, so much work. Right. But I said, hey, at least it's given us a variety yes. of different dishes. And I've enjoyed learning, you know, how to put them all together and, and doing it. And I find it very... Um, therapeutic, yeah. Yes. And puzzles. You know, when I think about when we go on vacation, what do I like to do? Oh. I find doing puzzles, you know, thousand piece puzzles. Well, that very quiets relaxing. the mind. That quiets yes. the mind. And that actually yes, also I like I that. shifts the neurocircuitry to the brain, which is kind of cool. We're so, we're so patterned by automatic of the subconscious mind. So mm. things like that, and playing, I, I, had, I do download little games on my iPhone, so I do play them. Solitaire. Oh, I love Harvest that. Harvest Solitaire, that is, so that's more challenging. Fun. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I do things like that, that kind of keep my mind alert. Right. And kind of relax me. Right. You know, and I, you know, I do like to watch silly stuff on TV, and my, you know, and, and part of it is, you know, that's very relaxing. I want to watch mindless things every Absolutely. once in a while. Absolutely. You need it. Right? right? A comedy. I don't need a movie on terrorism. Right. Give me a romantic comedy. Right. A silly and, movie. Yeah, take you into a fairy tale or yeah. where you can laugh. Yes, yes. Oh, Carmen, I love walking with you. Yeah, really, has this been good for yes, you? Yes, it's just, it's been so delightful. This is very relaxing. I always Isn't love it? talking to you. I yeah. know. It's so yeah, I'm very chill, different than yeah. I was an hour ago when it's, it's, we're searching uh, for a dog. But, but, you know, we need to have business meetings out in the woods, right? I mean, it's, yes, you're right. it's why 
it's so much, it, I mean, this is giving yeah, us this... an opportunity to do things differently because I think you tap into the soul of being human when we're in nature. Well, that's true. It's very relaxing. And also, you can stop and really think. Mm-hmm. You know, and search your soul and your heart. You got and it. An answer. And, and center in the heart instead of what I should say, you know? Yeah, <laughs> true. Or who I should be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You are welcome to listen to our other episodes at HollisterInstitute.com, where there are also blog resources, guided meditations, and suggested readings. You may also sign up for the Hollister Institute newsletter for regular updates on the Institute, releases of the latest podcasts, and information on upcoming programs. Music is written and performed by Chad Hollister. Thank you for taking a walk 